0: Well, Jared already read the text, but I want to read it again. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her house to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has let me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. You know, people who study such things say that there's three kinds of people. There's people people. You know, the people that like to be with people. The people that get lifted up and inspired by just being around other people. Um, They get isolated and alone when they're not with people. They just want to be with people. They're the life of the party. And then there's paper people, now this is going to have to be updated, we probably should say computer people. Paper people, computer people that live their lives focused on paper and screens and programs and spreadsheets, those kind of folks that just really, um, that's where they live and that's where they feel most most productive and, and most valued in their uh, in their living and then there's projects people these are the folks that you put them on a task and they'll get it done they'll set goals they'll they'll figure out how to get it done and they're all about the task all about the project all about getting it done I got to thinking about this and I thought well you know what there's really more than three kinds of people I think there's five kinds of people so in the subsets of people paper and project people there's another group that are the distracted people whether they're in doing their people thing or their paper thing or their project thing there's something going on in their life that is distracting them from the main thing and then there's another group of folks sometimes it's the same folks but in doing their people and paper and project thing, they're balanced and centered. They find a way to make it work and flow in a healthy sort of a way. But first, I want to validate who you are and who we are. I believe that God has hardwired each one of us to be what we are. I believe that he has destined for you, every one of you, for me, for all of us, to fit into his creative mosaic to make his kingdom and his purposes flow in the best and most successful way. You have a gift. God has given you that gift. And he intends for you to use it. He intends for you to be fulfilled in it and successful in it and there's nothing wrong in being who you are we need people people but we can't have a party all the time and we need paper people somebody's got to keep track of the details somebody's got to pay attention and we need project people we got to get some things done once in a while we need all of it and its variations and how that flows together. Martha had a gift of hospitality, obviously. She was driven and motivated by hospitality. In the text, there's nothing here that says that somebody came in and said, Martha, you need to get busy now making, making meal and preparation here. She just did it because she felt it. It was her passion. It was what she wanted to do hospitality is what greases the wheels of vital community we have to have hospitality so let's not be too hard on Martha today she had a gift and she was functioning in that gift the book of Romans puts a light on this that that I think is worth taking note of it's in the 12th chapter of the book of Romans I just want to read it to us it starts in verse 3 For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and those members do not all have the same function, so in Christ... We who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. Let me just pause here it's using masculine pronouns we all understand that this applies to the females and the other pronouns among us let him serve if it's service if it's teaching let him teach if it is encouraging let him encourage if it is contributing to the needs of others let him give generously if it is leadership let him govern diligently if it is showing mercy let him do it cheerfully Love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking, never be lacking, I want to focus on this, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. There's that balance point. While you're doing your gift, whatever it is, keep your zeal Focused upon the Lord and serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with God's people who are in need. And now having lifted all of these gifts and talked about all the various components that make up the community, that make up the body of Christ, then he has a general word for all of us. Practice hospitality. So even though that might not be your specialty, you and I are called to participate in the functioning of hospitality in the community. It's a big deal, hospitality. So I just want to give kudos to Martha today. And all of you Marthas that are here today, God knows we need you. And Yes. <laughs> all right. Let's, let's just make sure we understand that. Now, Tim Keller is a noted pastor and author and uh, influencer. You may have heard his name. He has made a statement about some things that I think are relevant here because we do, from time to time, get things out of balance. Tim says that an idol can be a good thing that we make into the ultimate thing. it's a good thing that we make into the ultimate thing and that's where it crosses over into that keeping our spiritual fervor where it needs to be focused on Christ it begins to get in the way of that he also said some other things pastor Brent uh, shared this with me he he says um, an idol is something we cannot live without we must have it therefore it drives us to break rules we once honored to harm others even ourselves, in order to get it. I've got this on my mind. I want this to be the way it is, and I'm going to run over some people to get it done. Idol. Anything in life can serve as an idol or a counterfeit God. Anything can serve as a counterfeit God, especially the very best things in life. If I don't keep the balance between my spiritual fervor focused on Christ and I use my talent, my gift, my ability, God-given, to become predominant in everything and to push down Jesus and importance in my life, then I've got an idol problem. An idol is anything more important to you than God, anything that absorbs your heart and imagination more than God. Anything you seek to to give you only what God can give. Anything that is so central and essential to your life that should you lose it, your life would feel hardly worth living. One of the things that influencers, leaders, teachers, pastors, I can speak From some experience here it's a trap that often they fall into and that is the need for the pat on the back the searching for significance in the approval of others and that can become an idol that can become a trap and we hear over and over again about these pastors in prominent churches that are falling, uh, that have, have had sexual um, abuse allegations against them that have, uh, have failed in their leadership. That's a classic example of how success and the giving the priority to one's uh, life to the achievement of their significance in the functioning of their gift and the quest for approval and applause, that's an example of how that idol can get in and really cause havoc in our own lives and in the lives of others. We must be careful. So how do we know whether we're having an issue here? Well, first of all, we don't want to be like Martha in this regard. I, I want to take a little aside trip here. We spent a couple of years in Mexico <clears throat> as missionaries, and we took some training ahead of time before we went down there, and we learned about the dynamics of cross-cultural communication between Americans, North Americans, and Latinos, or Mexicans, and the way that we handle uh, schedule and relationships. There's a huge difference. <laughs> And what they taught us was that in Mexico, among most Latinos, the relationship is the most important, mm-hmm. not the schedule. Mm-hmm. So here's how it works. Little Maria, she gets up in the morning and as is often the case down there, they, they buy their food, their groceries daily for what they're going to have today, their tortillas, their fruit. They'll either go to the little tienda, the little store down the block, or they'll go to one of the uh, tianguis, uh, the little fruit markets, the little farmer's markets that set up. And they'll go down and they'll they carry their little sack with them and they buy their papaya and they buy their tortillas and they buy their little fish, chicken or, bre- or, or um, um, yeah, the, the bread, or, yeah, their bread and maybe a little beef. They don't eat as many... Be- much meat as we do, and they take it home and they cook it fresh. But on the way to the Tianguis, to the Tienda, Maria bumps into um, another Maria. (laughs) There's a lot of them down there. (laughs) And they're neighbors, and they haven't seen each other for a while. And so, ah, Maria, como esta, como le va, how's it go? And Maria and Maria, they start talking, and they talk about their children, and they talk about their parents, and they talk about what they had for dinner yesterday. Well, Maria had a 10 o'clock dentist appointment. But Maria is talking to Maria. And Maria and Maria are enjoying each other's presence. And Maria and Maria live in that moment and they value each other, and they care about each other. They're not wasting time. They're not being irresponsible. They're showing a quality of appreciation for one another. And they let the conversation go to its natural conclusion, not once looking at a watch, not once thinking about the appointment that's scheduled for later. Why not? Because Now, with Maria in this moment, is where life is. This is where the value is. It's not only Latinos that have this custom. There's a lot of cultures around the world that think this way. And besides, Maria knows that if she gets to her 10 o'clock appointment to the dentist, he's probably not going to be there either because he's been talking to somebody else. (laughs) And it all works out. I have to tell you, when we first went down there, it drove us nuts. You got a 10 o'clock appointment, you'd be there. Mm -hmm. No. (laughs) So that's a way that we need to think about how we use our time and what's most important. I'm not suggesting that if you try to do that here in this culture, you will not be appreciated. The dentist will be waiting for you, or at least he'll be expecting you to be sitting in his waiting room waiting for him, (laughs) so that when he's ready, you'll be there. Look, there's more we need to consider uh, in this issue, because today we're talking about dining with Jesus. Dining with Jesus. And what Jesus was saying, that Martha had the scheduling and priority issue wrong. She had task before relationship. And when it comes to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when it comes to our Good Shepherd, when it comes to the one who knows where we should be and how we should live, the one who will guide us and lead us into his ways, then we must make sure we're making space for Jesus in our lives, as the music we just sang emphasized. Mary took the opportunity to center her focus upon Jesus. Now, I want you to understand that I am not talking about being so heavenly-minded, we're no earthly good. Remember, God gifted us to be doing something. Our gifts are necessary. It's not about just going out to the desert and living a monastic life and only thinking about God and Scripture 12, 15 hours a day. It's not that. We're certainly not suggesting that. What we're saying is, as we live our purpose in life we must recognize when it's time to center and balance upon Jesus and what he's doing in the moment we're talking about smelling the roses Jesus talked about this before in the Sermon on the Mount back in Matthew chapter 6 He said, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, And yet, your heavenly father feeds them. Now, he said, Look at the birds of the air. You know what you have to do to look at the birds? You got to look up. He was saying, In your busyness, in your distraction, in your worry, you got to pause and look up. And take notice of the birds, take notice of creation. Because in taking notice of creation, you'll be taking notice of the creator. And that will help shift your focus from what is making you worry and distress. He goes on to say, Your father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? Another translation says, Consider the lilies. Look at the birds, consider the lilies. We need to be better lookers and better considerers. Taking note, once in a while you'll find me out in the early morning, watering the little flowers that we have in our flower pots, and I'll just pause there. A lot of you do this too, and I just notice the beauty and those flowers aren't going to be there forever. When time frost comes, they'll be gone. But Jesus says, consider the flowers. He says, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? It's the moments we choose to balance our busyness. It's the moments we look up. It's the moments we consider. It's the moments we interrupt our busyness. Now, how can we tell if we've got a problem with idols? How, do we, how can we tell if we've got this out of balance? It happens to all of us. We all fall into this from time to time. Well, first is we're distracted. Distracted. We're having a hard time focus on what's important. Mary, Martha, was distracted, it says. Jesus observed that about her. I wonder if he'd look at us at any given point in time to say, Steve, you're distracted. (laughs) I know he does. Another way to tell if we've got an idol problem is, it says that Martha said that these things had to be done. The preparations had to be made. That's not true. It wasn't true. Nobody nobody else in the room was saying, Martha, I'm sure, get that meal done. Hurry up, we're hungry. It didn't have to be done then. I mean, they they lived life. They ate every day. It got done eventually. It did not have to be done right then. But she felt that. Why? Because her valuing of her gift was out of balance. And she thought her significance in that moment was more important than what really was. And she was distracted and distressed in that. And that's tied into that performance orientation I talked about earlier. And here's a real telltale sign, when it begins to manifest in agitation and criticism of others. Did you see what Martha did? She said to Jesus, Lord, don't you care? I mean, of all the nerve, she's throwing shade on Jesus. (laughs) Lord, don't you care that my sister, my sister, my little sister, my little spoiled brat sister, Isn't doing what she's supposed to be doing? Don't you care? If we find ourselves in agitation toward others, in criticism toward others, worked up and distressed and distracted, then we've probably got an idol that's taken up residence in a shelf in our heart. It's driving the agenda. It's messing with us in our spiritual zeal. And what needs to be most important. So we're going to just bring this down to simplicity right now. We all, there's nothing profound here. We all get this. I mean, we really could have dismissed after our sister <laughs> gave us the little talk about, not in church, <laughs> not when Jesus is in the room. You're all here. Because you wanted to give Jesus a central place in your life. Okay, we're here. Jesus is here. So we're going to sit at his feet. And that's the way I want to wrap up today. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up here and get ready. And as they do, I want to invite each of you to focus on this slide. We've got a slide coming up here. We're going to do what, we, what I call pause and pray. And I want you to think with me what this says. As I enter into prayer now, I pause to be still. Just let that settle in. I pause to be still. That's the same thing as looking at the birds, considering the flowers. To breathe slowly, just take a deep breath and relax. To recenter my scattered senses upon the presence. Of God. We can do that right now. Just release that heaviness. are my scattered senses upon the presence of God. And then I think it would be good if we surrender and seek, seek God, seek awareness of His presence. We can pray this Lord I'm worried and distracted about and you fill in the blank for yourself we all have cares we all have stuff going on in our lives as we center ourselves in Jesus today let's lay this at his feet Lord I'm worried and distracted about maybe you're sitting with someone who you're sharing a burden with if you want go ahead join hands say it together Lord this is what's going on this is what we're struggling with sickness Brokenness, pressure, Lord rebuild my confidence in your unfailing love and power to change. Right now, Lord, there's nothing more important than to see you and your love for me and your power to change what has been distracting me, to change me. Help me to see what you are doing in me and around me. and I would like to have everyone stand with me and pray with me this prayer. Holy Spirit, send me from this moment in your power to do what you have gifted and called me to do. And in so doing, bless me my family, my friends, my co-workers, and even my enemies for your glory and your honor. Amen, amen. We did that in a little over five minutes. And we can do that repeatedly throughout the day. It won't interrupt our productivity it won't shut down our value it will enhance it and i want to just leave us with the challenge today that as we go and engage and express ourselves in god's calling and giftings in our lives as we get busy doing what god's called us to do don't let your spiritual zeal fade And don't let the presence of Jesus in our every day be ignored. We can do this. Settle my scattered senses. Help me to breathe and release the stress and pressure. Help me to get my eyes off other people and onto you, Lord. And help me to engage in your power and strength. Amen. Thank mm-hmm. you.